Welcome to the 41st episode of the NES Experience. This is Ned, aka NES. I'm here with my wonderful co-host. We're flipping the roles. We're flipping the roles. I'm in the driver's seat. I am running the show, so that's fantastic. I'm doing all right. Uh, coming off a vacation to the Great Wolf Lodge. That was something else. That is where you cram thousands of little kids in an indoor water park and put a arcade in the middle and then watch everybody go to war with each other. So uh, actually, we were the only family that was fucking fighting, which is ridiculous. Like Lexi's a big sore loser. We go play miniature golf. She smacks the ball too hard, flies into, you know, the fourth hole on the first hole. She's like, this isn't fair. Smashing the club in the ground. I'm like, yo, cut that shit out, man. You can't act like this. We're in a public place. So she is just the biggest sore loser ever. And then it was, I want to go first. I want to go first. So we fought through nine holes of golf, spit us out in the arcade that my kids have a crane game addiction. You know, the crane game, right? Where you get the claw. Yeah, so they're the sucker bets at the casino, or not at the casino. They're the sucker bets at the arcade, which is basically the casino for children, by the way. Because my kids are addicted, much like people get addicted to the casino, they're addicted to the arcade. So they go in, and we we just want to play once. I'm like, all right, one one time each, we're good. So it's the crane game. So, you know, 40 seconds later, one more time. So we played the one more time, usually two to three times. And then with some sort of negotiation that there will be no screaming, crying, or kicking rocks after the last one. And then we do the last one. Then they scream, cry, and kick rocks. Once again, the only family that's on vacation fighting, at least in public. So then everybody gets put on punishment. And we're going up to the room. Let's get the hell out of here. So then we go upstairs. And then it's the standard, I'm hungry. So because they want to fucking eat every 72 minutes. But then when it's time for the real meals of breakfast, lunch and dinner, uh, nobody's hungry. And then, you know, 72 minutes after dinner time, I'm hungry anyways. So it was a great vacation for the children. Um, and it was uh, it was OK. It was OK for me. So how about yourself? Okay for the children. It sounds like they just uh, had a terrible time and got got yelled at for screaming in public. Man, they made out with six stuffies. Uh, they got the bought these stupid passes, which let them do, you know, ten or eleven different activities. They they got the royal treatment. I played Papa Shot, set the record, and Papa Shot there like I do every year. That's I was the hustler that got all the tickets for them to get more stuff. He's at the redemption counter. We won the uh, trivia, got four free ice creams. I mean, they're living the life. They got their own little, uh, they got another stuffy. It's just, it's a mess. It looks like a toy store in our car on the drive home. So they had a great time. Trust me. How are you going to let them play the crane game when you're a Papa shot, you know, master? Like, why can't you teach them the hustle? They don't understand the concept of by doing this, there's skill involved, which allows you to have way more upside and get maximize your ticket advantage. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time in arcades as a kid, so 
I know all the games to play, what to do, how to cheat. Like, for instance, I walk in, I set the record, or I walked in from last year on the first time, didn't set the record. I was pissed off. I'm like, what's going on? They took half the balls out because apparently the last time I did it and it pumped out hundreds of tickets, they were like, oh, we can't have people actually get something you know, valuable. So now they took half the balls out, which slows down the, the churn and burn on how many sh- total shots you have. So I had to steal the balls from the other one to give my the correct amount of balls back. And then once I took the balls out of the other one and played with eight balls instead of four, now we got a game changer. Anyways, so that is the that is the home the home front. Uh, well, some of the home front, but vacation was something. Um, as far as what are Ned's shit that he wants to complain about because it's that time of year. Because every season there's a variety, there's usually three bullet pointed things that occur that probably don't have to occur, but because people don't want to get with the times and and start to actually use some science behind their preparation for athletes, these things happen. But it's football season, and then the, now it's camp for everybody. So what do we do in camp? You're a former football player we we play football we do football things right a whole bunch of them and you do a whole bunch of running and conditioning after so basically um we're getting the groins the hammies um and all of these minor nagging things that can become major uh, I understand that you have to play this the game of football and prepare to get ready for football but what you don't need to do is you know 10 cut 80s after guys have been practicing for five hours and are completely depleted and their brain and their central nervous system is shut down and it's fully ready for injury so what we don't need to do is the extra conditioning um, because that's why these problems are happening it's a sudden it's too much load on the body from an endurance component to overcome in such a short time so if we ramped it up even ramp it up daily um and didn't do excessive things we don't need to condition because they just did conditioning for five hours because they played football for five hours but these things are going to happen and the end result is now you have you know and for certain teams they don't have as many total players on the team the last thing that you need is injuries when you go through a whole summer of trying to prevent injuries if they could be prevented so uh, I am navigating through all that right now. Um, and then, so that's the first thing that pisses Ned off. Number two, kids cannot add. This is absolutely ridiculous. Like kids are just staring at the bar and I'm like 190 and they're like, what's that? I'm like, well, you have 150 on it. You have to get to 190. I mean, my kids are banging this shit out in first, second grade, like 100 minus 50 and shit. How come my high school, college, and people in their 20s can't add? This is not good. You can't always have a calculator with you. Am I missing something? You're a, you were a banker, Tay. You're a big finance guy. Yeah, you could, you could say that, loose terms. Uh, but yeah, I mean, addition's pretty simple. I, I, I can't explain that one. That, that just kind of confounds me. Do you work around people that don't know how to add? No, we we do. I mean, well, I guess 
you got the calculator on your iPhone, but no, even anything that's not addition's really easy. Anything that's not like three digits or four digits, you know, we're talking one or two digits here. You should be able to do really quick. Hey, if you're lifting 700 pounds and you don't know what goes on the bar, me either. And I'm completely patient with you. But, <clears throat> you know, there's things like a 45 on each side is 135. Like you, how many times do you have to put 45 on the bar each side with a 45 pound bar and not know that's 135 pounds? Like you got to retain something. Well, now go to 145. You got to be able to go plus 10 and then divide by two. Is it the dividing part you think that gets them? Like, do they just not know they're fractions? Could be. I don't know, but it's absolutely terrifying. And I don't know what's going to happen in 30 years, but I feel like if just by knowing basic math, I think you'll always be able to get a job. So that's my part two and part three. So baseball, if you're in high school, everybody's been throwing through the summer. If you're college, everybody is still throwing because everybody just throws. So basically, you've been throwing since February. Everybody's arms going to fall off. All their velos are down because they're not supposed to be up because it's, I don't know, September 1st. And I've been basically yelling at people for the past month to shut it down. And then because people are, this is my year-round sport complaint. Because it's year on sport. Now I have some guys can shut it down because their spots are, you know, um, secured for the fall. But some guys have to show out because they're going to new. Uh, we have the two D2 transfers to D1. Peter Phillips, shout out, going to Fairfield. And Tommy Hughes going to uh, URI. But, you know, they have to perform. So they can't shut down. So now we have to take them. After their complete domination, I don't know if you saw that on the Instagram post, but their dominant NECBL seasons this year, um, now they have to basically throw. I mean, a lot of the college guys have pro day or scout days. Scout days are basically always in October, and it's just super frustrating because they need to shut it down, and they can't. A lot of them can't for a variety of reasons. But if you can shut it down, it's really it's the younger kids. You're going to have to go through this. When you get to the college and professional level, level, but for high school, it's just complete overuse. It's it's like it's time to flip the focus. Everybody's you know if comes in on down ten pounds, down fifteen pounds, and you know they're basically shot. So those are the Ned's three complaints. Thoughts on the uh, shutting it down? You're a baseball guy. Well, you're a football guy, but you're a sports guy. But I would have to assume you would agree with me on shutting it down. Yeah, big sports guy. Uh, yeah, I I absolutely think throwing in baseball is probably one of the most unnatural things I feel like you could do with your arm. You just like tear it apart every time you do it. It feels like mechanically and just, I don't know, being able to, to throw something that, that fast and have it move that much is just pretty mind-bending. So. You can't do it year round. And I feel like if you want to get your velo up and stuff like that, too, you need to lift weights. You need time of just not throwing so you could put on muscle. You can maybe get a little bit quicker, a little bit faster twitch. And that's how you get, you know, maybe some good core strength, big core strength guy. Uh, and that's how you kind of build velocity. I always was taught as a throwing athlete because I'm a throwing athlete. 
you were a throwing athlete for sure yeah uh but yeah uh this episode our our main topic is going to be the reset button i'm also a big reset button guy just a big fan of buttons how do you feel about buttons ned um the reset button is has been a vital part of my life to generally sustain balance and not become a complete fat dumpy piece of shit uh along with you know helping to dodge and most mental health disorders and other terrible things so uh it's been and i'm going through reset buttons right now um so when we were trying to figure out what topic to do uh what was popped into my head is my uh my parents health problems i'm not a big tell facebook and tell the world my issues but i mean you're a borderline psychologist for me therefore i'm going to tell you but i really didn't even go into it that far but so when all of this stuff happens i mean and honestly my parents and how they've taken care of themselves for the past one to five years has been my inspiration for a lot of these podcasts because like i wasn't raised that way um and when you see your parents who are supposed to be really smart and they're not making the right decisions and they're doing behaviors that are unacceptable, <clears throat> that it's unacceptable behavior. If I, when I was a kid and they were raising me, it's like, Hey man, how is this even possible? Because you're supposed to get smarter the older that you get and they're acting more like children. So going through as I'm experiencing all these problems for me, um, because of whatever issues I have can't eat. Uh, you know, it basically overcomes me loss of appetite. You get your anxiety, your depression. I wouldn't say depression, but you definitely have anxiety because there's a whole bunch of things that are going on. So in my life, I can, you can't control everything, but you know, something like how healthy you want to be is, is something that you can control. So when you see people that aren't taking care of themselves the way that they're supposed to, and you know the things to do it because you're 15 hours away and you can't do anything. Um, that is the, uh, some of the psychological stuff that uh, piles on top of me because it's my field. If I was with them physically, I could make them do all the things and basically fix the problem and move on. But I'm too far removed. So and I was going through this and you have to figure out you had health problems with your dad that I probably didn't ask you too much about because I'm all about, man, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say when they're going through a bunch of bad shit because I don't really like bad shit. I don't really like to talk about bad shit. So it's kind of keep it vague. Um, but you know, when I'm looking, I got to figure it out because I'm not, you can't be non-functional and, you know, through your job and your life and work and everything. So I was like, can't eat. So you're sitting there and everybody, am I right or wrong? You've had anxiety or you've been situations where you just can't eat. Yeah, for sure. But I'm also a big stress eater. So I usually will have the, the opposite problem. I'll eat too much. So. And then I'll eat to the point where I really also don't feel good because of how full I am. And then it's just a whole a whole mess. But I've eaten a gallon of ice cream and then gone a second gallon and been like, all right, like, let's do this thing before. I mean, my thing is like minor things. What's going to make me feel better? 
eat a, eat a whole package of cookies. Uh, and it will, because it raises your dopamine levels and you feel like a million bucks until about 40 minutes after. And then you say, why did I do that? I feel terrible. And you feel even worse before you did it. And then you're like, well, I already fucked up. Might as well blank, insert, eat more. And then, so I get the the the, the overeating component, but when, because I started researching and some people brought up the level of stressor you're going to be so a minor stressor like uh arguing arguing with your wife or your girlfriend then you're more likely to overeat but when if your wife passes away you're more likely to not eat not to use those extremes that's absolutely terrible um but for me i was like all right well i can't eat anything and i'm trying to force myself to eat and then i'm sitting there and i'm like i'm i'm about to ride this wave and there's a lot of different factors that went into it. So you see, you know, why my daddy has diabetes, he has heart issues, um, some neurological issues. And, you know, I'm like, I don't want to have, I don't want to have that happen to me. So there's no easy m motivator than like, and that's not going to happen to me at 78 years old. So, and I was so part of the whole Ned not having these problems at 78 is Ned not being 280 pounds, 285 pounds. Ned at one point in time was 325 pounds uh, in college when I learned that the more that I ate, the stronger that I got. So I'm like, oh, I'll just continue to eat and then I'll eventually squat a thousand pounds. And then what good that would have done, I'm not exactly sure because you just walk around and be like, I can squat a thousand pounds. Uh, and then, so I got up to 329 was my all time high. And then the problem was I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. So, um, that's no good. So, and then tr going from that 329 to what my current weight is, um, what I learned when I was reflecting back on <clears throat> how I have continued to lose weight, although a very slow 20 year process is. There have always this like major life crisis series events of, you know, things it, it got me motivated to take action and continue to move on the journey of being a dream weight of, you know, 240. So and the bad situations that I want to talk about today are basically I always had those. I mean, three out of the four, one of them is I put in there for you. Um, but I've had these. It's more of a short-term bad situation uh, that you were talking about, which is actually excessive drinking and excessive eating on weekends. But, you know, for me, it's it's I'm a big pivot guy. So whether it's in my career, because I've seen a lot of losing in my career in the field that I went into, it's always like, and I'm not going to do that. You see people do do the wrong thing. It doesn't play out well for them. Well, I've learned from this. I've learned. I'm a big learn from other people's mistakes and your own mistakes guy to have a generally better path through life in all areas by not making, you know, the mistakes that they they made. But when so bad situation one, I talk about friends and family and health issues. And looking at, you know, why are they in the situation that they're in? What am I going to do? 
So I couldn't eat. So I'm like, let's ride this shit out. So I've been steady. It was a nutritional reset for me. So a lot of the bad habits that get accumulated. Um, and I'm, it's not like I'm coming off, you know, a severe weight gain, binge eating, whatever, but summer busy. I'm, I had the busy NES had the busiest, uh, season that it's ever had. Yay. But what comes along with that is what about taking care of yourself and, um, taking care of yourself oftentimes gets put ahead of, you know, all the other shit when, when shit hits the fan. But for me, I was able to, I'm not hungry. And then what happens is if you're not hungry because of that severe stressor, you lose weight. Now you lose mostly fake weight, just like when you get sick, you get fake weight. But what you do get is instant gratification and you look thinner. So I'm like, this is great. Pull up my shirt in the mirror. I'm like, damn, there's the six pack. All I got to do is not eat. And it, I wasn't purposely trying to not eat as I couldn't eat. So I would force down whatever, a thousand calories, just enough to kind of keep everything ticking. But, and then depending how bad your situation is. So, you know, if something that's, you know, a two or three day bad situation is going to be less impactful for something that's more long-term. And then I think what we have learned, Dante, is that when bad things happen to your parents, it's not like they're better in, you know, a week. Um, but I guess my point is when you're going through that, hopefully, I mean, we didn't do this podcast, so maybe you weren't thinking about this, but it should have been a little bit easier for you to eat healthy, easier for you to work out. Um, to Did you do reflection on like, hey, maybe I should do this less without going into details, or maybe I should do this more. Um, and hopefully you have still stuck with some of those changes that you made. Did you make any changes or did we just release this too late? A lot of the things that I kind of took and things, he, he had to alter his lifestyle a lot. So he eats vegan now and that's helped him out. He was diabetic as well. Um, so he's been doing a lot of different things and that also has kind of helped me a bit. I, I drink celery juice. I know I've said that a couple of times on the podcast. Did we determine that that's, that it's your jam and you like it? I, I do, yeah. And I, get, I got, uh, this past week, I got fresh celery from the farmer's market. So I was like super pumped. Isn't that a pain in the ass to have to grind up celery? Yeah, juicing it really sucks. You juice the whole, and it's a big pain in the ass. And then your your reward is a fucking glass of celery juice. That's the saddest. It's a whole bunch of hard work for. I mean, does it taste that good? Do you put? It tastes like celery, but you know what's supposed to really help with acid reflux is celery and celery juice, and just life in general. I guess celery juice. Well, I like a... celery. Celery is my jam. I um, put celery I'm not, I'm not with peanut butter on it. Cream Ooh. cheese. Ooh. And everything but the bagel seasoning on top of that. There huh? you go. There you go, keto. No, they can't have fucking cream cheese. I don't know about keto. Keto, they can't have cream cheese, can they? No, I think that's I think that that's lactose intolerant people. I don't know. But all I know is celery. It's, all I know is celery, cream cheese, and some everything but the bagel seasoning sprinkled on top. That is a good time. And it's low calorie for all you weight loss people. 
anyway, so the family problems, bad situation, injury. So I guess situation number one is more for NARPs, but um, number two, injury. That is, I mean, it kind of plays over for adults and athletes, but it's understanding. I mean, you had yours. What typically happens is a lot of weight gain post-injury. Sometimes it ends careers. And then those injuries you get with the added weight becomes a snowball effect. And before you know it, you're 300 pounds. Um, so I guess the important thing to know is you just have to do whatever you can do not to bring up my father's situation, but for him, it's, it's getting his legs strong enough to be able to walk. That's where we're at, which is the same thing as my professional baseball player. That's trying to get to the big leagues. We got two different, you know, there's two different goals, but the, the end result is it's important, you know, on both ends. Um, so, you know, when, and we've done, I feel like we've done podcast topics about, okay, well, you got a PRP injection in your left arm and we're going through this now. So one of our baseball fall athletes, he has a wicked set of, or, or he has elbow tendonitis severe enough that he's got to get a PRP injection. And the plan is because he's underweight anyways, how the hell are we going to keep everything that we've done through this two to three month block with the PRP? <clears throat> and it starts with the cross training effect where you, you train heavy on the opposing limb, which can actually prevents strength loss in your injured limb. So switching to you do everything that doesn't involve whatever is hurt. Um, cause typically, unless you got in a car accident, you broke both legs, you could still do upper body. So there's really no excuses. Um, and then, but looking more at NARP life, what happens is, so in my journey to lose weight, um, my way to get from whatever 302 to, uh, a svelte 280 just had to go jogging. So basically I turned into this, uh, distance runner getting to the point where I could jog six miles um, for a dude that's, you know, 280, 300 pounds. That's no joke. Um, but what came along with that was tendonitis in my ankle. So basically I couldn't, I got to the point where, so that's great. I got to 280, but then my weight for years basically stayed around, you know, that weight because I, I had, I couldn't do my mode of exercise, which was the only thing that I like to do. I don't like because everybody you know it. it's like I like nobody says I like the bike. I like the the rower. I like the elliptical. I like the fat mill. I like the treadmill. You know, typically there's like it's already pain in the ass to do cardio. So um when you take away the only thing that I found and, and then it was just like, all right, well then it's like what am I gonna do now? Well I guess I gotta start lifting. Can't do cardio, gotta lift. So I've been going through this whole journey, but in your process of getting fit, you're going to get injuries and you're going to have to figure out, like I said, I, the only thing I have to do something or else I'll just be a fat doughy ball of shit and get, go back to three thirty. So I had to pivot and figure out what I can do for the next block of time. <clears throat> I never seriously went back to running after that. So I actually haven't done cardio and well, I haven't done cardio in a year and a half since my dog died, Rocky. Uh, 15 years, RAP. Um, but you have to figure it out. It's the best time you tear an ACL. It's a great time to work on your nutrition, especially if you're beefy and you're, you're, you know, 
you're more likely to to gain weight. So there are a whole bunch of proactive things that you could do to um, make the bad situation get better sooner and minimize the amount of damage done when you come out of it. Um, so bad situation three was inspired by Tay, and which is coming off a weekend of excessive eating, drinking, and sleep deprivation. Um, so something that I tell all my people that are into losing weight or generally destroying their body is Monday. I'm a big Monday fast guy. So when you overeat, because most of the time when people do overeat, it's Saturdays and Sundays. It's not metology. Uh, obviously, they do studies on this. That's when you're in your social environments. That's when the parents are done cooking for the week. Um, that's when all the bad stuff happens. And that's when you're consuming alcohol. And then because you're doing that, usually that leads to, you know, eating massive amounts of things that are usually greasy and yummy um, to at three in the morning. And then you go to bed and store that. And then you wake up late and you're all dehydrated and shit and hungover. And then you're spending and it's just all that. So you don't, if there's a day that you probably don't need calories, it's Monday. Uh, Cause it, your body is just working in overtime and has a whole bunch of fuel. So the Monday fast is one of the best things to do. Now you're saying, well, because how often on Monday morning are you hungry? Now, not in your new days, but kind of in your, you know, well, no, because don't work in the fact that I drank so much that I still wasn't hungry two days later. I'm saying just in general, uh, do you find that you're, or do you pay attention on your Mondays? I'm not that big of a drinker, like at all. I'm more, I, I'm, I'm the excessive eater, but you're making me sound like I'm an alcoholic. No, I was talking in general <laughs> terms. That's when society and people I'm saying for you, yeah, you're an eater. Would you say that you kind of like to not be calorie restricted on a Sunday? Stop taking shit personal. No, no, no. I, I am. I'm devastatingly hungry when I wake up on Monday mornings, but I'll, I will do the fast. I do do the Monday fasts. Then why are you so hungry Monday morning or what do you, because I ate so much fucking food on Sunday night. <laughs> so you're hungry. So you're, you eat a, a ton of food on Sunday and then you're super hungry on Monday. I don't know what the fuck your problem is. Cause it's like, you know, you, you eat the food and you digest the food and then your stomach's like, I want more food. All right, I'm well, I I have a few eating disorders. All right. Well, we will have to take that offline. So you specifically are not going to follow this because it's going to be I mean, you still should. But what the problem is, you're the one out of 100 people that are super hungry. Uh, it's going to be a bitch for you. So because what we what we do has to be practical. So if you're already hungry in the morning, but most people overeat on Sunday, smash a bunch of food Sunday night, you want to use that stuff the next day to burn off of the minimize the amount of damage that you did on Sunday, or maybe Saturday is your heavy volume eating day. And it's just creating balance. If you drink a whole bunch, even though Tay doesn't drink, uh, you would, you know, it should be real easy not to really want to drink after. I mean, you should want to have a whole bunch of time off if you drank too much. But 
Um, it's just an extreme delay. So if you don't want to fast all the way and you can't make it, doing a fast until 6 p.m. Uh, gets you far enough, you know, a solid 18 hours in to where you're going to get a benefit. You're actually going to get a little met metabolism boost um, from fasting as far as you can away from that. But even skip, I mean, one easy skipping breakfast. Can you do that, fatty? <laughs> or you got to eat, you got to fucking throw more food down your gullet. Yeah, I, I can usually skip breakfast. Great. Maybe we'll start with that with you and then we kind of work it. Uh, maybe that start at noon, then we'll go till two. We just got to go the baby route. Anyways, off of bad situation three that I specifically put in there for Tay. Uh, and then how about a little relationship issues? Well, divorce action, boy, a lot of people are getting divorced these days. Everybody, it's like there is a divorce sniper in a tree and I'm just standing there out in the field and I just see all the soldiers getting shot down. Uh, you know, when that's going on, not to piss in anybody's Cheerios, I'm sure everybody is in a loving, happy, committed relationship. I know I am. Um, but if you're having dating issues and relationship issues, uh, probably part of the reason why you're having some of those issues is yourself and part of making yourself better. It's probably a good idea to take care of yourself. Maybe look at the food that you're eating, how much sleep you're getting and uh, how much you're exercising because that exercise can actually lower your anxiety levels and uh, make the current situations that you're going through with your spouse, lover, uh, or whatever, uh, more manageable. Do you follow me? Bad situation. Oh, but we've made it good with doing a whole bunch of shit we really don't want to do. Because let's be real. Who really likes doing exercise all the time? I don't do it because I have to do it. You? Or do you love it? If you're a bit, you're on a big walking kick, walking in the parking lot. Big walking kick for sure. Uh, been doing some hikes. Uh, big jump rope. I'm a huge jump rope guy. Hard on the knees. Hard I on feel the like, knees. I feel like it's a little easier on the knees. I'm, oh, you know, you got float like a butterfly. I know you. Your job is to completely disagree with anything that I say. No, that's. No, you're, you would know better than me. I just, I, yeah. I want it to be better for my knees, I guess, is more so what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, one of my athletes was doing some dumb shit in preseason camp, and I and she put it on the Graham store, and I texted her, I said, that's nonsense. And she was like, no, it's not. It's really good. And I was like, yeah, it's not like I haven't been doing this for 20 years, and I know the difference between good things to do and bad, but okay, you go roll with that. And she was like, gee. Well, I'm paying. I'm paying for this service, so uh, I I can't really tell them that it's shitty. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm just telling you, it's nonsense. Jeez, yeah. yeah. I mean, I got it. Yeah, I started walking backwards. That is supposed to be good for your knees, I guess. Ah, we were. Wasn't that going to be on the podcast topic? Is walking backwards, and should you do it? We probably said it like last episode. We're just kind of starting to to lose our minds and stuff like that. All right, we'll throw one out there for guys on their vacation coming off of uh, their pro seasons in the next 30 days. These are Those are the types of people who listen to this podcast. 
you are going to want to walk on a treadmill, assuming you're on a vacation where there's like a hotel and like a weight room, walk backwards at two miles an hour for 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, the concept is you're always going into hip flexion and everything that you do in the sport that you play. So we're just reversing the process. It's a good way to loosen the hips up. And, uh, it's a recovery method that I used to do a lot 20 years ago. Don't do it that much. But when you brought it up, I don't even remember the dumbass reason why you were doing it or why they said it was good, but I'm assuming that once again, did not agree with why I think it's a good idea. So I really don't want to hear your take on it. We'll just assume that the reason why you were doing it is the reason why I said you should do it, even though now that I'm thinking about it, because we talked about this in the pre-talk, that it was something different. Am I right? Yes or no only, please. Yes. Thanks. So, um, so that's for, there's obviously more bad situations that I'm not going to go over because this has been a very dark podcast. Uh, so, but what I want to flip back to is when you look at, you have to find reasons to stay motivated and what I found that works, you always have to have something. So when you look at January 1st, I'm sure Dante gets no stimulation or no, there is no reset button for, for January 1st because it's just another day in his eyes. But this whole world has been based off of the New Year's resolution. So there is no better reset button than New Year's. The problem is people consistently train and work out for New Year's until March 1st. I know this because I worked in a gym for many, many years. And then you see the attendance drop and 80% of the people leave by, by March 1st is they don't have a plan after that. The plan is like, I'm done with this shit because they worked out too many days in a row, too hard, ate four different foods, starved themselves, and then they said, fuck it. And then they're going to reset this. So then it's nine months of weight gain and then three months of workout. But what you need to be able to do is when that natural New Year's Eve burst of energy wears out, what's your next plan and something that I just throw up, throw out there. Cause there's like people that actually go on vacation, but your spring break vacation. So it, you should be able to motivate yourself from March 1st till April 15th. That's six weeks. All right. I got six weeks. Don't want to look like a fat, fat fatty in my, in my swimsuit. All right. So then, yeah, then you do whatever you need to do. Pictures are a good thing. I knew great wolf lodge every year. I got to take the topless dad pick where the natural holding the two kids on each arm, you know, dad in the middle. Like, I'm not trying to be fat guy in the picture. They bring this shit to school, man. I can't embarrass myself. So, I mean, mine came. That was the end of summer vacation. Uh, I recommend people planning important things where they're going to be in pictures at the end of the summer because people get to summer and then they destroy their bodies in summer and they all get fat. And then it's all right, let's shut it down. End of summer means let's shut it down, put on all the big clothes, and we'll we'll catch you next April. Um, but if you can link the spring break vacation to the preparing to look good for summer, really easy for me. The us getting a pool has played a role in my weight loss. Can't be the what am I gonna do? Wear a t shirt in the pool, have it be a wet t shirt contest. So 
you know, you got to keep it under control that, but it's easy. Everybody's out. You're going to concerts, create reasons where you actually have to look, you know, representable. And that's what people do. Weddings are always good. Don't want to be the guy with no neck at the wedding. That would be terrible. Um, when I go to approach fall, I'm a big want to be outside guy. And in the Northeast, I so what's my motivation? What's my motivation now? Because it's fall. I only got three months to exercise and do shit outside because it's going to get too cold. Because now you're going into the danger zone. So you should be you should want to be outside unless you I'm sure Dante, I'm sure you hate being outside. I'm sure you like being in, you know, in a cave. But, you know, a lot of people like to get outside when it's warm. But, uh, you know, it's finding the next block of motivation to get you through. I'm getting this through month by month by month. Before you know it, you got Halloween. Um, So there's no better nutritional reset than the November 1st because you're 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 involved in the candy gauntlet somehow whether it's at the house or your kids bring it home or you it's all being pumped out at the grocery stores and it's cvs um but it, you know we learned that we don't buy candy until october 31st um so that prevents all the pre-candy eating and then i have now gotten to the point where i'll throw i'm throwing shit out the day after because I'm I am eating candy. Um but there's no better way if candy is your problem, there's no better time to hit the candy reset button than November 1st. And don't go buy all the shit that's 90% off. That's just going to delay that is the move because I know this because of my family. That is the move that gets you back in the wrong track to go right into Thanksgiving, which is your next reset button now i look to i don't believe in the ooh have the white turkey and and plain carrots for thanksgiving no man i want to just eat i enjoy eating so you should be looking at when you go into holidays you should be looking at you know i am training so i can eat whatever the hell that i want to do and do whatever i want to do on thanksgiving that gets you to thanksgiving no matter you've trained and prepared for it but you ate like shit Another reset button. I have to now train and prepare to be able to eat like an asshole for Thanksgiving and New Year's. And then you do a little damage on thanks or Christmas and New Year's. And now January 1st. Go through your calendar year and find and figure out what your plan is going to be after March 1st. That's my big takeaway for all the hefty people. Got to sync up that weight loss to the calendar. It's only right. Yeah. So random things that I missed. Final thoughts. My final thought is get on the fucking scale. And this applies whether you're weight loss or weight gain. Suck it up. Get on the scale. Your scale is the reset button. Now, here's the thing. Don't overreact when you get on the scale. I mean, what the fuck did you expect? If you're a weight gain guy and you fucking win anorexic on me, I mean, what do you think it's going to say? And if you're a fat, fat, fatty and you've been gorging yourself and binge eating, what the hell do you think it's going to, what do you expect to say? So it is what it is, but that flash and that number, that's emotion that can get you emotional. If you, do you know how many people I've seen cry 
and they get on a damn scale. Been weighing people for 20 years. So what this world has done with the scale is now it's they've made it like this evil monster. It's the evil monster that kind of tells the truth. Now, you know that I'm not be all end all by the scale because we body comp people and lean mass, fat mass, body fat percentage is a more accurate measure of, you know, health and not health. But in general, depending, I mean, the number's the number, man. Now, you don't have to get all crazy and I'm not fat shaming people, but there, I mean, I'll give you a fun fact. Do you know the last time I weighed myself? I do not. Now, this is me being you right now. Uh, today. But before that, a year and a half ago. I didn't weigh myself for a year and a half. Now, uh, that is the worst thing ever for most, for most people. I'm different. I'm to the point where I know what my weight is. So I didn't weigh myself for a year and a half, and I guessed my weight. And... I was only off by 0.6 pounds. I didn't weigh myself for a year and a half. And just by me pinching myself, that's what I do for a living. I, I pinch fat and I pinch myself. And I look at people and I look at myself and I know every weight I've ever been. Moral of the story is 260. Last time I was 260, sophomore year in high school. So I am officially down to my sophomore year in high school weight, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but most people, especially weight gain people, they're terrified of the scale and they're just delaying it because there's this, I am an overwhelming fear of what the number is going to be. So if I never weigh myself, then I never have to face, you know, the truth of what the current situation is. But it's, the, I mean, the actual, it's more, it's more work and more terrifying to, to make this step than to actually just get on. Once you get on, there's the oof, it, it hits you. Have you ever gotten on the scale and been like, oh, but but you needed that. It's your wake up call, you know, um, and the good news is when because you made that noise, that means that you've been a lower weight than you were which means you've been somewhere that you've been before and you should know and know what the path it is to go back down. But if you never ever got on the scale and you dot, there's people that haven't been on the scale for five years. That's how you get to the point where you're on a TV show and you can't get out of your own house. That is the danger of trying to avoid it. And for my weight gain guys, you, it's it's not like what do you think's gonna happen? You're just gonna never gain weight. Then you're never gonna gain weight. You're never gonna get to go where you need to go from an athletic performance standpoint. So you're just destroying everything because the more and more I do this, the more and more I see that the amount that you weigh has a whole bunch to do with how good you're gonna be athletically. So, um, the scale, leave the scale alone. Just just. It's a number and it allows you to hit the reset button, formulate a plan, change whatever the hell you're doing and get back to where you need to go. But don't dodge it. So that's what I got. Tay. Great stuff. Yeah, I, I believe that will do it for this episode of the NES experience. We appreciate you guys tuning back in, uh, checking us out on YouTube. But we will see you guys in two weeks for our next uh, iteration of the NES experience.